This is Glenda Meekins, writer for the Florida Catholic at the Diocese of Orlando. Today we're here with Father Jorge Torres, pastor of Our Lady of Lourdes Parish in Melbourne. And he's here to share with us a little bit about his new appointment to the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops as a specialist for the Secretariat for Evangelization and Catechesis. Welcome, Father Jorge. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. Thank you. The position is something that the bishops had envisioned before the pandemic. It is a response to some of the Pew Research studies that show that many Catholics may not believe in the true presence that the Eucharist is both the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord Jesus. And so this was an, already in the works before the pandemic started. And that once the pandemic came and now we're in the reopening phases at different levels throughout the country, we're trying to get people to not only come to Mass, but to experience our Eucharistic Lord in a whole new way. And so it's an initiative that is there, and the timing of it could not be better, because after the pandemic, we're all looking for ways to not only help people encounter the Lord, but also see how we can be community, how we can take care of those in need. But, you know, to know that Jesus is waiting in the tabernacle, that when we receive him, we're really receiving him, not just a symbol. And the theme for the next three years is created anew by the body and blood of Christ, source of our healing and hope. And that, as you mentioned, they hope to carry this out through a Eucharistic revival. Um, that the five strategic priorities are evangelization, life and dignity of the human person, protect and healing of God's children, vocations and pandemic recovery. So you begin your work July 12th. Is that right? That's correct. Tell us a little bit about what you'll be doing specifically. I will be working with the diocese, the different dioceses, the national entities, all of the different institutes that are willing to not only come together to speak about the Eucharistic presence, but help people understand that our Lord is truly present and help people to see the importance of going to Sunday Mass, that it is a place where we are not only nourished and strengthened, as the Catechism says so beautifully, it is the source and summit of our world. And with that will be many different faces to it. Some of them, to be honest with you, I'm still learning, and I'm sure that things will be developing. But I am very excited to go and share the news about Jesus. This is a passion of mine. This is something that has always been inside my heart, I don't know, since I was a teenager. And also, as a priest, I remember even in my first parish, at St. Anne's, just gathering everybody together, and we would go through John chapter 6, and then go through Eucharistic miracles, and then go through the catechism. And it was just, I loved it. And it's just something that I'm really looking forward to doing with the church in the, in the country. Um, is it done nationally and internationally? Yes. There are Eucharistic Congresses throughout the world. The next one is in Budapest. And it, it had to be postponed, if I remember correctly, because of the pandemic. But yet, every once in a while, as Bishop Cousins has said, we just need to stop and look at the Eucharist and allow the Eucharist, Jesus there, to look at us. You received your first Eucharist at age 14, as I recall from some of the research I did. Um, and it, too, was a turning point in your life. And you talked about how you discovered inside the church people were changing their lives while outside the world was suffering its usual problems of violence and drugs and unrest. 
So what are some of your hopes with this passion that you have for the Eucharist, which was a turning point in your life to be able to take this to the next level? My hope is that everyone would take that step and um, just inviting someone. Um, in my case, it was, um, you know, we were, we migrated to New York. We were kind of trying to find our way through life and um, as new, newly arrivals, if you will. <laughs> and um, at some point in that, my mom said, you guys need to go to church and get your first Holy Communion. Um, and so that started a whole process that Later on, she probably wondered if I was at church too much. Um, that has now led me to this particular point in my life. Um, the catechists that were there, um, the priest that was there, um, all of the people that somehow played a role in it, somebody just who said a prayer for me as I was going to a youth group and whatnot, that each person that will participate, whether fully engaged into this process of the Eucharistic revival, has a role. And you don't know if the person you're inviting to today will later on become the one that is asked to work with a Eucharistic revival on a national level. That's our mission, right? As Catholics, we are called to evangelize. This is what Jesus asked us to do. Sure. Yeah. sure. And I mean, the Eucharist from the beginning was always a point of decision. You know, am I going to believe that it's really Jesus or am I going to believe that it's a symbol or Am I going to follow or am I not? Even at the end of John chapter 6, when all the, the people left Jesus and then some of the people following him, and he turns to the disciples, he turns to the apostles, and he really even his interior group, are you going to leave me as well? The words that St. Peter responds, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of everlasting life, are the words that I use at my ordination for my prayer cards. Um, that there comes a point in our journey where we may or may not understand where we truly feel that we have it together or we're still piecing it together. But there is no one else to go except our Lord. And he is the one that has the words of everlasting life. This brings me back something that Bishop Thomas Wensky said at your ordination in 2005, referring to St. Pope John Paul II as the model of priesthood by his witness to hope. Speaking to you and Father Scott Searcy, who was getting ordained that day, as well as his fellow clergy, he said, our pastoral ministry and our daily celebration of the Eucharist, the pledge and foretaste of future glory, make that hope present. Looking back at that statement, how, how do you feel, um, you know, this will make this hope present? How, how do you feel it helps make this hope present in this effort? Sure. Well, I mean, in my journey, I've been through different realms of suffering, different experiences of pain, whether it was in our own journey in my family or whether it's been in a parish family. And in each one of those cases, whether it was, you know, death, um, you know, the list, you know, can go on and on. Um, in each one of those cases, the Eucharist was always a, a place to go and and not only encounter each other, but encounter God and seek healing. I saw that time and time again throughout the years, whether it was an unexpected tragedy or financial issues or um, Paul's nightclub, all of these different things um, that the Lord has brought me through to help people 
re realize that he is in the middle of suffering. And so suffering is not separated from the Eucharist. Um, at times it may go hand in hand. But the, the, the beauty with it is that when we suffer there, we're suffering with Jesus, not alone. Well, and I think that it takes us to a deeper level, right? You know, that suffering often is, is sadly needed, I think, for us to realize that, that we need him and we need sure. that, that relationship. For some people, it becomes the way to encounter God. For others, it's through beauty. They say that it's going to be through truth, love, beauty, that people encounter God. And so sometimes truth is painful. <laughs> As a former vocations director and secretary of the National Conference of Diocesan Vocation Directors, some of your work I recall included studying vocation patterns for, for the USCCB. And in that research in 2018, you reported that almost 50% of the Catholics in the US were Hispanic, but that only 15% of those were, 15% uh, of those seminarians um, were Hispanic. Will your work at the USCCB encompass um, a little bit, well, an effort to renew Eucharistic devotion to this community in particular um, with the hope of sparking increased vocation discernment there? There's always the hope that more vocations will come, um, certainly from all walks of life, all cultures. And if they come from the Hispanic side of the house of the church, it's a beautiful gift to us all. So, yeah, anything we can do to increase vocations, anything we can do to increased devotion to our Lord. It, it always starts with an encounter, similar to at the beginning of St. John, where the disciples of St. John go to, um, to ask Jesus, where do you live? Where do you stay? And he says, come and see. So it starts with that spark, with that encounter. And then you never know, later on, we could have more vocations. It would be wonderful. Do you see a correlation between Eucharistic adoration and discernment of religious life? A lot of times there is, if not necessarily in a it's hard to pinpoint in somebody's life what was the moment when they felt the call or what was the moment when they finally surrendered. And so in all the surveys that you read, whether it's through CARA, whether it's through many of the different entities that do it, it's particularly of the ordination class each year, at, um, you know, those are things you try to pinpoint. Was it, was it Eucharistic adoration? Was it the parents supporting it? Was it because, you know, they were already in school? And so anything that we can do to help people to have those con the continual support system for vocations will lead to more vocations. If each one of us has that courage to just share where God is giving us life, um, not necessarily forcing anybody into anything, just saying, this is something great, you're missing it. And then you never know, you might be talking to someone who later on will, God will use in a unique way. And he uses each person in a unique way. You know, the person working at the supermarket, the, the lawyer, the doctor, the car mechanic, they are each reaching a person that only they can reach. And so each one, has a, each one of us has a unique role in the plan of salvation. And so I thank everyone here in the diocese for your love and support throughout the years. And, you know, I look forward to not only journeying together in this, in this journey of proclaiming the Eucharist to the world, but also later on to, to coming home. <laughs> we look forward to that also, Father. Thank you so much.